There's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. Hockey fans, how are you today? It is Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. We're talking season four, episode nine. We're calling this beauty the Korea, aka Paul Korea, not the country Korea. Um, yeah, no, Paul Korea, number nine, legend. He wore number nine for several different teams. We'll get into that in a minute. It's co host Tom here with you. I am with, as always, co host Randy. Looks like Randy's got the blowtorch out doing the curve on his stick there. How's it going today, Randy? Uh, yeah, major, uh, major mistake here. Do not blowtorch the composite sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Just melt uh, the thing, eh? Yeah, I wonder if my uh, warranty is still will kick in here uh, over at Royal Sports on Pemmon Highway. Uh, I doubt it. As long as it's um, less than a month. Yeah, within 30 days. Yeah, yeah, within 30 days. Yeah, so... Yeah, don't uh, don't blowtorch your composite stick. Did you ever used to do that back in the day of wood sticks? Were you a blowtorch curve your own kind of guy? Uh, I think just for fun, and it yeah. turned out like poorly. <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, the only <laughs> the only blowtorching maybe was like to warm up the glue on your Easton blade to put it into right. your aluminum. But for the right. most part, I used uh, the the hair dryer for that. The hair dryer that did, that did the trick. Yeah. yeah. I never, I never even had an Easton aluminum, but I always rocked. I mean, I had a few different uh, favorites. I had a coho with a Yager curve that I really liked. Uh, I couldn't tell you what kind of curve that really was because it was so long ago. But often my curve of choice back in the day was the Sherwood uh, Paul Coffee, the coffee curve. Yeah, a um, lot of guys like that one, yeah. Yeah, still one of my favorites to this day. Um, I've got a stick. Like it was like the last one ever made with the coffee curve. I mean, you can get them now actually again, but, but I've got one that I, I hung on to and still rocking sometimes, but love that coffee curve. So I never really did the custom curve, but just the, just went with the store bots, but uh, well, it worked there's, also, there's also the custom curves for uh, floor hockey and gym class where you mm. take the blade and you'd stick it in like a little crack in the wall or something and really put a hook <laughs> on that thing. <laughs> I guess that's probably where I did most of my experimenting with custom curves was for with the street hockey or floor hockey stick. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get, you just, or you step on it and you're just... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually the street hockey ones, you could put it into like a bucket of hot water yeah. and then and like those plastic, like Cooper ones that you screwed onto your bro- broken hockey sticks. Yeah. Put yeah. it into like hot water and put a real hook on that thing. And then you tennis balls are going over the neighbor's roof. <laughs> Oh yeah, there are, or yeah, wherever you're playing. If you're like at the schoolyard, it's like you need a designated roof climber, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Cooper blades were pretty good. Yeah. I liked uh, MyTech. I think it was also made a blade, MyTech or Mylex, something like that. 
they made a good street hockey blade, I remember. But uh, yeah, those were the days. I don't I, even. I never liked those actually. Like I found, nope. like I, I would much rather use like a hockey stick and just, you know, commit to wearing it down and it being garbage. Yeah. But I always felt like those plastic blades that you screwed onto your thing, onto your broken shaft or whatever, that like the little part where the screw goes in, like that would always crack. Mm. Right. And then it would be loose. And then you got like this loose blade. It just didn't like <laughs> Dangly it. Dangly old thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't like it one bit, but yeah, yeah. Floor hockey and gym class, everyone had their stick and you hit it underneath something to like for next game. It's like put right, all your sticks back in the bin. No, like it put one under the bleachers or something. And the ones in gym class <laughs> were like those like plastic ones. Eh? Yeah. And, they, and they were like, that so light and then like every, every now and then you'd find a good one in there that oh, yeah. was like maybe an older version or something you hit yeah. that one yeah yeah <laughs> like put it in the in the change room or something like you know like up up on the wall or some somewhere hiding it or whatever and it's like okay we're playing floor hockey <laughs> so people scatter to go find their sticks <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And then all yeah. the other people that didn't do that, they're stuck with the garbage ones. That, they're like, stuck with the garbage, but they're probably been, like, the kids who didn't give a crap yeah, anyway. They're they've been like, curved back and forth like so many times. <laughs> it's like an S. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's pull ourselves together here. Get it together, man. Yeah. So, you, hey, listeners, thanks for joining us here for season nine or season four, episode nine, the Korea. We're um, coming at you live on uh, UMFM 101.5 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And of course, you can hit the podcast any old time, any old place on your uh, mobile device uh, or, hey, on your desktop computer. You can do it there, too. Your choice. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Paul Korea because he's our he's our number nine guy that we were looking at. Last year, we talked about Mike Medano for number nine. You know, number nine is a number that that's a that's a an all-stars number. So it's kind of fitting because we're going to talk all-star stuff later because the NHL all-star game is approaching. Rosters have been named. We'll get into that in a little bit. But but number nine historically has been a number that, you know, the the cream of the crop, whereas you you think back in the day to to your uh Gordie Howe, Mr. Hockey, he wore number nine. You think about uh, Rocket Richard, the greatest goal scorer, you know, of his time, certainly he wore number nine. Bobby Hall, the Golden Jet or whatever his name was there. He had a, he invent, I think he invented the curved stick, didn't he? Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so he wore number nine. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys that wore number nine. Gretzky did, and then he put two of them together for 99, and the rest is history. But Paul Correa, he rocked number nine for several different teams, came into the league with the Anaheim Ducks, known, of course, at that time as the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. They would end up dropping the Mighty, and then they would put the name of the city first after a little while. Um, but he wore, he came in the league with Anaheim at age 20, you know, uh, was a, a rookie sensation, finished third in Calder voting. Um, and uh, he and then he he went after Anaheim, went to Colorado for a couple seasons, uh, maybe even just one season um, and Nashville for a little stop there. And then finally, a little stop in St. Louis to end his career. Now, he and he wore number nine for each of those teams. 
He was a guy 15 years in the league, had to retire when he was 35. He was a guy known to have some concussion issues, I think, right? And that probably forced his retirement a little earlier than maybe he would have otherwise. But he, over 15 years, he played 989 games. He was exactly a point a game, 989 points. Um, and you kind of have to wonder too, like, he, you know, he did have several 82 game seasons in his in his pocket, but there was a good handful of seasons that he was kind of cut short of a full season because of injury or whatnot. And so you kind of wonder, yeah, I wonder, you know, how if he could have played a longer, fuller seasons, whatever, like the kind of numbers he would have put up. But he is a he is a Hall of Famer. So, you know, he's no no slouch there. So, um, you know, Korea, like you mentioned sort of before we started recording, you totally forgot that he even played for St. Louis, which, to be honest, I did, too. I, I mainly remember him as a duck. Like, um, and that would have been mid nineties through to the early thousands, I think. And then, and then he sort of bounced around a couple teams there. Um, well, it says here, actually, <clears throat> Korea struggled with concussions, which, which eventually forced his retirement in 2011 after sitting out the 2010, 2011 season because of post concussion okay. syndrome. Yeah. So he basically was forced not to play because at 989 points, well, you know, come back. You're like, oh, season. I want to yeah, hit a thousand. Get, get those a thousand points or whatever. But obviously, it, you know, things were too bad. But um, yeah, yeah. I guess you just you you have to remember that uh, that one hit from Scott Stevens there in the was that the Stanley mm. Cup Finals, Jersey versus right. Anaheim. Right. Yeah, that would have been '95 or so, eh? Or '96, maybe. I think. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, it uh, look at hockey DB here. The one year he had 11 playoff games in 96, 97. And that would have been, I think the year that they did go with uh, Jaguar as the goalie, no, right? No, that would have no, been no, that was later. That was 2003. He had 21 yeah. playoff games in 0203. So that was the year they, they must've lost to, to uh, New Jersey. Right. When um, Jaguar was uh, the Conn Smythe trophy winner. Right. That's one thing that Korea didn't have a lot of was playoff games, only 46 total playoff games. I mean, the Ducks didn't make the playoffs for most of the time that he was there. Um, 46 playoff games, but 39 points. So he still performed the performer for sure. And, and he, he definitely like, you know, drew comparisons to Gretzky in terms of his vision and play style of play and whatnot. And, and you got to think like, like he was a smallish guy, you know, smaller. Like if he had, a, if he had have played in a different era, like now, you know, maybe it would, maybe it would have wound up a little differently. But you know, he he um he definitely like produced even in the era he was in. You know, like his his high his season high was uh 101 point no 108 points. Sorry. And that was his second season in the league. He yeah. won the Lady Bing. He was an all-star. He, um, yeah, he won the Lady Bing a couple times, it looks like. Uh, yeah, two, two, twice. two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's the most, gen- I like that trophy. I think I've mentioned that before. The most gentlemanly award. Uh, I like it when people play the game like a gentleman. 
I mean, there's a time and place for a for a a, a Gabe Landeskog type of guy. Like he's never going to win the Lady Pink. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't pay him to to be nice to people. That's for sure. No, exactly right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and Korea sort of famously after his playing days were done, kind of had a real low profile, eh? Like he kind of wanted nothing to do with hockey for a good long while. And even when the ducks, I think retired his number, that was like the, that was 2018. That was like the first time since he retired that he kind of made a public hockey related appearance. He kept a pretty low profile, I think for the most part. And I saw somewhere, I don't know if it was, there was a documentary about him or something, or maybe I, there I was one of those was TSN originals about him. Yeah. And, and he's really into surfing Yeah, and he yeah, like that's, surfs that's like every that. day. Yeah. yeah. Big surfer. Yeah. And st- still like to this day, or at least when I watched that thing, looks like he's like 20 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and good shape too. And yeah, yeah. So no doubt. Um, I mean, if you were playing in the, you know, the men's beer league, he'd be tearing it up for sure. If he wanted to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm and I, and like I think most recently I heard that it's him and Scott Niedermeyer that are part of some group uh, trying right. to find the GM for uh, for the Ducks right now. So I guess he's probably come back to the uh, to the franchise in in some sort of way, in similar fashion to how Nick Lidstrom just uh, did that this week with. Uh, that's with right, the Red with Wings. Detroit. Yeah, that's right, and that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, you know, some teams have had success bringing in former players, uh, legends, and some not so much. Um, the not so much you think of Edmonton. It's been kind of the old boys club there. They had McTavish and Lowe and who knows who, you know, trying to run things for a good long while. And look where it's got them. Uh, more on that later, maybe. <laughs> but but before we get to that, let's uh, segue away from uh, Mr. Korea. Let's talk a little bit about um, our own local legend to some degree, <laughs> Mr. Michigan, Kyle F. and Connor, KFC. Uh, he's been nominated to go to his very first All-Star game coming up. In, Not nominated, selected, actually. Or selected, sorry. Yeah. You're right. Uh, coming up in a couple weeks here. And that All-Star game's going down in Las Vegas. And... Um, yeah, pretty deserving guy leading the Jets in points. He's right up there in the league in goals. Um, I think he's got 20 on the season now. Um, he's well, he's ninth tied tied for seventh in in goals, really tied with Marshawn and Thomas Hurdle, the Ninja Turtle. Um, and yeah, 20, 20, jo- 20 goals on the season. He's uh, 37 points. Um, he's getting around 21 minutes of ice time a night he's become kind of the new face of the jets in a way he's the guy yeah he's the guy yeah Yeah. basically you know like think of all the clutch goals he's scored if you see kyle connor going down that wing you pretty much know that puck's going in the net um and it's like yeah like we've and we've kind of alluded to this on the on the show before how uh you know, the inevitable passing of the torch is, is coming. And I don't know, maybe it's a, if, if it's a passing or if it's a KFC and PLD taking that torch and just pulling it just away. Grabbing from it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Grabbing it <clears throat> for sure. Um, so 
<clears throat> well, you know, and it's funny because so KFC uh, selected for the all-star game. He's going and now then they've got the rosters kind of set, but now there's like the fan vote part and they're going to send one more player per division, I think to the all-star game and the guy, I saw uh, the graphic there. The guy on the Jets that is available to be voted in is Shifley. Which, which makes I no was, sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I'm like, it should be really Hellebuck. Or, but maybe the goalie spots are already all taken. They are, um, yeah. And if not Hellebuck, then, then I would say PLD should be the other guy up for voting yeah. in. But, you know, I guess um, Shifley's been the perennial all-star of the jets and so you know that's like the seniority thing he's he's in the union you know to be fair he's only three points behind pld uh and uh six six games less played so i I guess you know i think we rag on shifley this uh, people have been ragging on you know i think it's just that he's got another gear we haven't quite seen yet and he's been playing he started out pretty rough but he had covid and who knows? Maybe there was some real lingering effects on the old lungs and you couldn't quite get up and down the ice without turning into a bit of a, you know, wheeze bag or whatever. I'm familiar with that feeling. That's for sure. <laughs> but, well, And even to be fair too, like uh, Nikolai Ehlers and Andrew Kopp, I guess could potentially be in the, in that uh, conversation as well. A, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, as, as we are here, you know, trying to restructure, how play players are, are are selected, especially from the Winnipeg Jets for the All Star Game, Tommy. I've got a question for you about just the All Star Game experience and and the whole process in general. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to put on the pants here. Okay, so that was the theme music that you all know and love, wearing the pants. Um, so, Tommy, uh, you know, All-Star Game has kind of been a hot topic over the years, uh, especially for guys like us growing up and seeing some classic All-Star Games of the past. You know, uh, scores would be like 16 to 12. <laughs> you know, and uh, someone walks away with a brand new car that doesn't really need a new car, but maybe no. they give it to their mom or something. But so all that said, um, and maybe in light of, in, in light of some of the conversations we've heard so far this week, um, you know, so this, 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 the, uh, the format again is the three on three, uh, the, you've got teams. Is it three on three or four on four? Oh yeah. It's four on four. Yeah. So, yeah. and, but it's, it's, uh, players e- each, Division, Each division is its own, is yeah, its own and it's team. a little mini mini tournament. Yeah, whereas before it used to be conference, now all that kind of stuff. So my question mm-hmm. for you is like, do you enjoy the current All Star Game format? And part two, if you don't, what would you do to change it? Okay, so I will say that first of all, I actually kind of do like the current format of the four on four mini tournament between divisions. Um, I thought it was getting a little stale the way it was before. And then they came to this idea a year or two ago and uh, maybe even more, but, um, 
and I and I kind of like it. Like it, uh, it makes it interesting. The the games have been somewhat competitive that I've watched, um, but I think what what we're talking about maybe the format that we don't necessarily like is the roster selection in that. Um, and Nathan McKinnon had quite the quote this week in the in the in the press about. Uh, he, what did he say? It's not a participation game. You no. know, it's an all-star game. Yeah. 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 That's right. And because every team gets a participant really. Right. And, you know, I can see the merits of that, of having every team have at least one player sent, but then that means, you know, um, not necessarily the, all the, all the best of the best are going the, the all-stars. So, with Colorado going, they've got two guys going, Nate Dog uh, and Kale McCarr. Now, they might get another guy voted in, you know, uh, with the fan vote thing. But as it stands right now, they've got two guys going. And, um, you know, Arizona's got Clayton Keller or whatever, right? And it's like, is he, uh, is he as good as Kadri, who's not going, or Landeskog or Rantanen? And Ka- you know what I mean? Kadri is is fifth in the in the league in scoring right now, and he's right. not going. Right. Um. So, so yeah, and even even that, that related to say the Metro Division, you've got someone like Adam Pellick who's going for the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Panarin's not going. Yeah, I saw that. You, you with know? the Rangers have two guys. They got Kreider, who's um up there in goals this year, and Adam Fox. He's third or whatever. And then Fox is the other guy reigning Norris trophy winner, having himself a nice little season again. But you look at Panarin, who's amazing in his own right. And he's kind of in the upper echelon of players in the league. As far as scoring, I think he's uh, 38 points, 34 games. He's like a dish master, right? Like he's such a guy. I love watching Panarin play, but um, yeah, he's not going to the all-star game because uh you got um, uh, some guy from the Islanders who, you know, they're and it's funny that it's not even like Barzal going from the yeah. Islanders, but so what? what um, well, because of there's enough forwards going, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what makes it more exciting or or more marketable for the league to make sure all the teams are represented or to make sh- to like have the most exciting players there? Like, totally. I guess it's like whatever you try and find balance, but. Um, again, even even the, the Atlantic Division, like Vasilevsky and Hedman are going for Tampa Bay. Yeah. But like no Stamkos, no Kucherov, no Braden Point. Yeah. Does Nick Suzuki really need to be there? You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you look at like, yeah, I don't know. Like I like Zach Wierenski. Oh, this is going back to the Metro. Like I like Zach Wierenski, but like surely you could. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, there's it, also there's also system. the aspect though, like how over the past few years there's been like the uh, you know coincidental, if you want to call it, like uh, guys getting sick or whatever, and they can't right. they can't go to the All Star game, and like that turned into a thing for a while. Like guys would not yeah. go or whatever, like Crosby, yeah. but then he would still make a public appearance and, appearance and stuff. But I don't but know. This year like, might be different with COVID, right? There might yeah. actually be guys who are sick and can't yeah. go. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, like I, honestly, you know, I I I would have to maybe kind of side on the on the fact of like 
just send all the most exciting guys. And then yeah. if that ends up being the Metro division, or if that may, or if, if the Atlantic division is half Tampa and the central is half Colorado, then so, so be it. Be it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's, that's kind of like going back. Um, you know, here, here's also, we'll transition from that to this. Uh, we're talking about all-star sweaters before we started recording here. So let's talk about it while we're recording the all-star sweaters, the greatest all-star sweater of all time, the 75th NHL anniversary edition all-star that was 91, 92. And we'll be sharing lots of pics of this on the Instagram for sure. But like, you know, that's the one. So it's, uh, there was one conference was white. One was, um, red. red. They had the, the stripe down the arm with like horizontal stripes down the arm, the NHL logo, and then a set of stars over the crest. And, um, they're just like, so nice. The refs even had like these old time, like V-neck sweaters that they wore over a shirt and a tie, you know, classy, right? Like pretty good. But I think in those days it was like genuine, just like all-stars. Like it wasn't, they didn't worry about getting, you know, some Hartford Whaler if he wasn't, I mean, I guess Hartford had some pretty good players and I'm a Whaler. I love the Whalers. So, you know, but there's a picture. So, while we were looking at all the photos of these old all-star games, uh, go back to 1986 and there's a, we'll share this one. It's the Edmonton Oiler all Campbell conference, all stars. There's nine Oilers. I think it was, you got Andy Moog, Wayne Gretzky, Glenn Anderson, uh, Paul Coffey, Kevin Lowe, Mark Messier, Lee Fogelin. Fogelin, Yerry Curry and Grant Fuhr and the coach was Glenn Sather. So it's like basically the Oilers and a few other guys. <laughs> Dale Howard um, was probably there for the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, pretty, pretty different than the way it is now where you might, if a guy gets vote, if a team already has two selected and then maybe they get another guy voted in. Like I, I would bet that Kadri is the guy that gets voted in for the central, but I don't know really who else he's up against. Um, Shifley for one, but yeah, I, I don't think, think Shifley's yeah. going to get voted in. Right. No. Like, and I'm you know. sure he probably wants to stay home too, but well, and then the other thing that the fan vote is, it just doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that the best player who's not selected is going to go. Most Cause I don't know who in the Atlantic is up <laughs> for voting, but I'm sure it's like maybe Tavares or something like that. And Toronto fans, there's a, bazillion of them so they'll vote their guy in right um and toronto has two guys going already too matthews and jack campbell yeah jack campbell you know and you know uh we love to to crap on the leafs around here sure but uh you gotta admit that um you know matthews he's a goal scoring machine he does what he does and campbell like there's a guy that i i i'm i'm happy for him he's having a great season and uh you know, Matthews is second in the league with 25 goals. I will just say this. So about Matthews, uh, they just played it. So the all-star game is in Vegas. The Leafs just played in Vegas recently. And um, he was kind of quoted as saying, you know, loves going to Vegas, playing in Vegas, best building in the league, blah, blah, blah. was like really talking it up. And uh, it made me wonder you know, his contract is up with the Leafs in two years or something like that. And he becomes an unrestricted free agent and he's going to sign a whopper of a contract, whether it's in Toronto or not. 
And there's obviously been speculation. Oh, he'd go back to Arizona, his home state, play for the Coyotes. But I mean, Phoenix or uh, sorry, Las Vegas is like a short drive to there, and they're a lot better team, a lot glitzier, glamier city. Uh, maybe he becomes the Vegas guy, and the, you know how the Vegas loves their star power, right? So they're ruthless in a, in acquiring it as well. So it's just a thought, just a thought. But well, and they still got Jack Eichel that is on the on the way of uh, on his way back. So exactly, and and maybe in a couple years they ship out Stone, they ship out Pacioretty, whoever. Yeah, make room for for Matthews yeah. and then you got a, a Matthews and Eichel uh, tandem. So just a thought, but um, all-star game wise. Yeah. He's going, he's going to be in Vegas. Uh, I wonder if his buddy Bieber will be there. So do you, do you think um, <clears throat> the other, the other aspect of like thinking of the all-star game from, from kind of the nineties is like the whole skills competition stuff. Right. Do you still get excited for that? Like who's got the hardest shot? Like I remember being like just so excited for that as a kid. Yeah. And like watching the the like the accuracy shooting, the fastest skater a little bit, but like the the and then also like the breakaway competition, like because it it was different back then, like shootouts are and like deeks weren't the same as what they are now. Like now right. it's, it's like bonkers. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. I remember the first time seeing like the, the, um, Forsberg move, like the deke when you go, when you go over to the one side with one hand on your stick. Um, now it just seems like it's like, they tried to make it more like the slam dunk competition and like, it's like over the top, but for sure, I, I feel like, the hardest shot competition and like the accuracy shooting, like sniping those targets is still exciting to me. Yeah. And you can't fake that. Like you can't really dress it up any more than it is. You either have a bomb of a slap shot or you don't, and you can either pick those corners or you can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I, I agree. I like those. I do. I don't mind the, all the uh, skills comps. Um, And they have tried to do certain things. I remember, I don't know if they're still doing it one year. They had like a ladder that you had to like sauce the puck through or pick yeah. it up and go through it or whatever. And I thought that's kind of stupid. <laughs> Didn't really like it. But. Cause like that aspect and some of the crazy, like deeks that, you know, they were trying to be like NBA and tried to grow For the sure. game and all that stuff, but it's stuff and, it, you would never do that in a game. And like, that's like the old man yells at cloud, <laughs> yeah. you know, you but you'd never like, you'd never like pick up the puck on your stick and try and put it through a ladder in the game. But exactly, there is there is the like the passing competition where you're saucing it. You got to put it into yeah. those targets. And that's a game skill. Yeah, but that's yeah, there's some skill. there's some of the aspects of it that were like, I'd watch part of it and then be like, okay, like this has gone on for three hours and we're watching <laughs> Patrick Kane wear a Superman cape and you know what I mean? Like, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I have no interest in those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. And and you know, um, I think I've heard, you know, Elliot Friedman, who's always got some idea to change the game or whatever. He he was talking about bringing in um, guys who aren't necessarily going to play in the all-star game, but, you know, like just to compete in certain events. So like in the yeah. slam dunk competition, they'll bring in random slam dunk guy or whatever. I don't know anything about basketball, but like, the, the, you know, in hockey, if, if let's say Zdeno Chara, he's still in the league but he's not going, he's not in the all-star game, but we all know he can shoot the puck. 
Why don't yeah. we bring him in for the slap shot competition, <clears throat> that kind of thing. And, that, and that, that's kind of fine by me. I don't mind that, but um, definitely like the slap shot, the, or the hardest shot. Um, and then, and then the, the targets, those are the good ones. And fastest skater is always good too. Um, so those are definitely fun things, but I think a main way to fix the all-star game, if it's broken, bring in the all-stars, forget about having a guy from Phoenix or whatever. And uh, let's see those sweaters, like enough of the white gloves and whatever. Let's get those classic retro 90s, 80s all-star sweaters going. That's what that's what we want. I agree. And I, I would say um, before we throw to our first song here is that if your team doesn't have an all-star representative, then maybe your team should be better. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No doubt about it. Hey, just be better. Yeah. It, it's like Nate McKinnon says, look, this is an all-star game, not a participation game. Exactly. But that, you know, these are the times we live in. Friend of the show, um, Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh yeah, let's throw to a song here. This is an old song done new style uh in an old style kind of way it's elliot brood with their song runaway That was Runaway by uh, Elliot Brood, sweet Canadian band who's been doing it for 20 plus years, I'd say. Um, 
love those guys seen them live a few times would definitely go again when concerts are more of a thing again um and they're touring but uh yeah so let's um randy let's kind of take a look around the league here um now we've we've only had like one jets game since the last time uh we recorded so like what are you watching hockey even if the jets aren't playing what's going on in your sort of world of hockey intake yeah you know what i would say my my hockey intake has increased um and maybe uh the lack of jets games is part of that but also yeah. i i'd have to say honestly and i i'm not ashamed to say this <laughs> but nikita kucherov coming back is huge and i love watching tampa bay play hockey because they are a legit team and they're and, only getting hotter. It looks like too. Yeah. And so they're, the they're first building game, up I, steam. the first game I watched this week uh, was lightning versus Buffalo on Tuesday and mm. Cooch had a hat trick. Uh, that was his second or one of his first games. I think it was back. his first game back. Yeah. Wasn't and it? he, yeah, he, like he, his goal total went from one to four and when one game <laughs> and he just lit it up. And so all week I've been watching Tampa Bay I've been watching Pittsburgh. I've been watching Colorado. That game, Colorado and Nashville, uh, that one was a kind of a heartbreaker if you're an Avalanche fan. Um, uh, Penguins have been looking good still ever since they broke, like their 10-game winning streak broke uh, about a week ago, but they've still been playing well. They beat the Ducks early this week. Last night, they beat San Jose in overtime. Uh, Jeff Carter made his return to L.A. this past week. Um I've been watching a did lot of Seattle. Did he get the actually. video tribute? Did uh, Carter was, get the? There was the tribute and the the old wave to the crowd, and yeah, uh, he he uh, put Doughty into the boards into the corner there, and they had a good <laughs> laugh about it. Um, uh, I, I still I enjoy watching the Kraken games. Uh, it's like they're kind of um, endearing to watch. Like they're a, like a hardworking team, but they just can't score goals, and like yeah. they, it's like. Yeah, I can think back to one of their early games against Vegas earlier this season, and they had like outchanced them like by by so much, and then Vegas goes the other way, one shot, and it goes in. You know, like it's just kind yeah. of how things are going. Um, Florida, I've been trying to catch up on on their games. Um, well, Florida destroyed uh, Columbus last night. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, I guess other teams you could say that I'm not really paying attention to are mostly the Canadian teams. Edmonton, they sure, haven't they're, played at all. They're seems. a tire fire, but uh, you know I could care less. Senators to Calgary. Sens uh, beat the Oilers last night. Yeah, Saturday yeah. night hockey night in Canada. You like to see that. It, <laughs> honestly, it's been nice to watch hockey when you're not so emotionally attached to the team, like for Jets games for for me, right. and and so. I'm so watching, watching Jets, watching the Jets, you're just like you're kind of just like wringing your hands, yeah, you know, you're yelling at the TV. It's a little much, right? Like it's, I know I've been accused of that by my wife, like just like you know yelling at the TV or whatever, and it's like, what are you doing? And she's like, you know, you can't, they can't hear you. <laughs> so so it, it is. It, when, when you watch other teams, it's just yeah, you you don't necessarily and there's other teams i like but i don't have that emotional sort of investment or whatever i guess yeah and like yeah like you being up here in canada in winnipeg 
you don't watch a lot of Florida Panthers games, but two days ago they beat Dallas seven to one. And yesterday they beat uh, Columbus nine to two. Like that's mm-hmm. a good team going on. Like Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair, Barkoff, well, Huberdo. I, I was saying uh, just the other day to my dad about Bennett and it's hilarious that Calgary traded him away for what a bag of pucks. I don't even remember what they got for Sam Bennett. I do believe he wanted to leave though. He did because they weren't giving him any playing time or any ice time. He was buried on the third, fourth line. He goes to Florida. He's popping Geno's all like he's scoring all the time. I mean, he's playing with better players, I guess, but like, you know, and Huberto, uh, man, is that guy ever good? Like he's who, who's going back to this all-star business. Who's um, the Florida all-stars. Like if Huberto is not there, I'll be outraged. Um, no, it is Huberto, but you know, they could probably have a couple like, what about Aaron Ekblad? Um, yeah. doesn't look like he's on there and he's having himself a heck of a season. The reason I know that is because I've got him on my fantasy team and, uh, he produces, he's doing great. Um, it also makes me sad to think back to when, uh, the jets trading line, a rumors started to happen and we were all speculating who, where, where he would go, who he'd get traded for. There was, there was rumors uh, about him to Florida in return for Ekblad. I would have been all about that, but Hey, didn't happen. And now we have PLD and that's all good. But yeah. How how about for you this week? There was only the one Jets game against Detroit. So what did you, I did watch that game or most of it. And it was kind of a weird week for watching hockey for me. I didn't catch a ton. Um, but I did, uh, you know, I did watch that Tampa Buffalo game or most of it. And then I watched a little bit of that. It was kind of like I'd see parts of games, you know, and that Boston uh, versus Nashville game yet on Saturday afternoon. That was a good one. And I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we get a lot of Boston games on TV. I don't have the whole full NHL package this year. So I'm just catching whatever comes on TV, you know, and Man, we, they show a lot of Boston games, so it's a lot of Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley, and I cannot handle those yeah. guys. So, um, but hey, uh, the Bruins are playing really well, and it surprises the heck out of me that Nashville is like top team in the Western I know. Conference. That's that's mind boggling, and it it hurts, but they they bounce back. They built their yep. team up again. Yeah. Yeah. Juicy Saros. He's the goalie there now. And he's actually going to the all-star game. He's having a good, good season. Uh, Matt Deshane is actually playing really well. Like, a like he can, I guess, after several seasons of not playing like he can. So, and Forsberg but, has been out too. Right. Yeah. yeah. So there, and, and I mean, Roman Yossi is a guy that I really like. I think he's a great defenseman and, you know, he's the captain of that team now and he's really, kind of leading them and they're playing really well. Like they could be, it, it's funny to say like they're first in the, in the West, but they could kind of be like the dark horse pick to go on a good run for the playoffs. Like, cause everybody's talking about Colorado, Vegas, whatever. Nobody's talking about Nashville. And yeah. Honestly. And I, I, I'll probably be completely wrong here, but I'm just going to throw it out there that Nashville might be the team that finishes first, but gets bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Right. Like, yeah. They're good. They're good right now, like in the in the regular season. But uh, like if they're matched up against even who, like I don't know, like even Calgary, 
potentially yeah. in a wild card spot. Like, you know, I wouldn't put it past Calgary or, or whoever sneaks in, um, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, yeah, it, it's interesting to see, but also like that whole central division with uh, Colorado, like once they actually get caught up in games, like if you just look at their winning percentage, it's like through the roof, but there's yeah, still four or four, they're four or five games behind everybody. So once they catch up, I think they'll be in first. And then St. Louis is playing good hockey. Minnesota is still playing really good hockey. Uh, yeah. All that said is like, that's going to be tough for the Jets. Um, Here, here's a fun fact. I learned watching the St. Louis Toronto game last night, another game, which I watched part of, didn't see the whole thing. Um, and I'm not particularly a fan of either the Leafs or the blues, um, but uh, Tori Krug plays for the blues now, as he has for the last little while. And the announcer was saying that Krug is the fifth highest scoring Bruin defenseman of all time behind only guys named or um, Bork, Bork, uh, Park, Chara. And then Tori wow. Krug's not f- number five. So uh, that kind of blew my mind because I was like, I just I never I didn't realize, I guess <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think Krug played that long in Boston. But I guess he was there long enough to put up some points, and well, he you know, would have been there. Um, like, he would have been riding shotgun with Chara, pretty much. On the power yeah. Play, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, the Bruins. It's funny how they're. Um, well, they they, they, they retooled on the fly, like yeah, they and they split up. Um, uh, the, the perfection line, yeah, and now yeah. and Taylor Hall, I think, is now like he's playing he great. With, yeah, like it, it's like maybe that's like and that that reminds me of the Pittsburgh Penguins from sixteen seventeen when yeah. they had Crosby on one line, Malkin on another, and Kessel on the other. You know, like yeah, maybe that's what yeah, you need they, to do. They got three waves coming at you. That's just like how are you going to even defend that if you're not deep enough? And most teams aren't really. Yeah. So and then now now Tuka Rask is back. So hey, look out for the Bruins. But uh, we're gonna. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit and go and and uh, we've got another local legend segment uh, coming at you here. Um, our buddy uh, uh, Ty Delello. <laughs> sorry, thank you. I had a brain fart there. Our buddy Ty Delello, <laughs> uh, local uh, author hockey, about hockey and hockey historian. He uh, he's given us some sweet material here. This one is about a guy they called the beast uh, that he also had the nickname, the honest brakeman brakeman. Cause he was a uh, uh, worked for the railroads, I guess, Bill Juz, Juzda, Juzda, um, Juzda, I believe. Yeah. Juzda. Yeah. Uh, I think he's an Elmwood guy, but I'm not going to speculate too much because, because Ty's got all the history of him coming right up here. So Let's uh, let's take a moment. We'll tune in here for the local legend segment with Ty Delello. For this week's local legend segment, we're going to take a look at Bill Juzda. Toronto Maple Leafs general manager Con Smythe might have said it best that Bill Juzda had guts to burn and gave every ounce every game. Uh, Bill Juzda was arguably the hardest hitting player in the NHL in the 1940s. A stay-at-home defenseman who didn't take part in much offense, Bill made sure he never lost control of the puck when it was in his own team's end. Juzda's philosophy was that if you have the puck on your stick, then you should never be giving it away. Juzda was not only good at hockey, but 
also good at football enough that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had tried hard to acquire his services, but ultimately failed because the CFL didn't have the same uh, level of salary as the NHL. Bill was born in Winnipeg on October 29, 1920, uh, the son of Ukrainian immigrants, um, Jews that grew up during the Great Depression in the city's north end, um, in the area known today as Point Douglas. What's interesting is that Juzda never played organized hockey until his last year of high school, pretty much. Um, and then from there, he went on to play junior for a year in 1939-40. And then the following year, 1940-41, he was already playing in the NHL for the New York Rangers. Um, so he did that for a number of years. The war kind of hurt Juzda's NHL career because he went into the service in 1942. He joined the Royal Canadian Air Force and was a pilot during World War II. Uh, when the war ended, he rejoined the New York Rangers. Um, his career really took off from there. Uh, from there, he got traded uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, where he is best known for having some great success there. He won a pair of Stanley Cups uh, in 1949 and 1951, um, and was a def defense partner of Bill Barilko who of course uh, scored the famous goal to win the 1951 Stanley Cup in overtime and then ultimately perished in a plane accident uh, about a month after the season ended. Juzda played with uh, Toronto and later retired um, after 398 NHL games in which he had 68 points. Juzda's two Stanley Cups were of course the big highlights of his nine-year NHL career. Uh, a two-time NHL All-Star, Bill only had 398 penalty minutes in his entire career, matching his career games number, um, which paints a picture that although Juzda was a very physical player, he played a pretty clean game. Um, and then after Juzda, Juzda's hockey playing career ended, um, he stayed in Winnipeg. He worked as an engineer with the Canadian Pacific Railway. Uh, he also stayed in the game by coaching all kinds of local hockey from midget all the way up to senior. Um, he was a very well-known person in Winnipeg, uh, just like Bill Mozienko was, and he passed away at the age of 87 on February 17th, 2008. Yeah, this is it for this week's Local Legends. Uh, stay tuned next week. All right, thank you, Ty. That was awesome. Another great Local Legends segment. Um, love that feature. We've got a lot of sweet feedback from our listeners about that feature, and um, we also appreciate any feedback you're giving us. Last week on the show, off the top, we were kind of talking about pregame meals a little bit. And um, I mentioned that I'm not a coffee before hockey kind of guy. And I had a few people reach out and talk about, you know, their pregame meals or their, uh, you know, what they're into. And, and I had several people agree with me that coffee before hockey, that's a no-no. Um, so don't even, don't go there, but we had a couple, so yeah, I think it was listener, Justin in Nanaimo, BC. He was, he was fully on board. He was just like, I can't understand how guys would chug a coffee before, before going to play. It's just uh, too much hot liquid down there. And then listener Vince in the West end of Winnipeg, he, he's all about the pregame banana. He's oh, a yeah. big banana boy. Um, just, just, just one or two. I think he's a two banana, double yeah. banana. Yeah. <laughs> so you can never go wrong. Like my breakfast every morning is a bowl of oatmeal and two bananas. Well, there you go. Yeah. 
man, I've never done a double banana, really. I'm, I'm yeah. just a single banana kind of guy. One's just not enough sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, my wife would be a pretty good hockey player because she's so into bananas. She just, like, slaps it on a on a uh, tortilla with, like, peanut butter, rolls it up like a little hot dog. And there you go. go. Even even the old uh, spoonful of peanut butter might ha- might help uh, before yeah. a hockey game if you're running running empty. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a go. I've played a couple of games since the last time we talked, and uh, I had a goal in our in our in our most recent game, and it was a classic Tom goal. I was parked in front of the net, Randy, just giving the goalie a screen, and uh, shot came from the point. And I just put my stick out, nice little deflection, and went ping, ping off a couple pieces of iron and back of the net. Um, but good times for sure. Uh, how's the uh, outdoor business treating you these days? Well, actually, I was just going to mention that that uh, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go check out Clara Hughes' rink this afternoon over okay. there, over there up uh, Henderson Highway. Um, yeah. Uh, but as honestly, I haven't, aside from going skating at the rink I make in Matlock, I have not hit a local community rink yet here in Winnipeg. Uh, that's going to start today. And maybe that's the perfect, uh, setup for some outdoor rink reviews. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, take your notepad, make a few notes and then we'll get that. We'll get the, uh, ODR reports going here uh, coming up on talk and hockey. So that's always, that's always a, a good time hitting the ODRs. The temperatures are just right. The right today, uh, we've had some cold weather more coming up, but anyway, we'll wrap it up there, uh, for this week on talking hockey, the hockey talking show. We thank you for tuning in as always. You can grab the show podcast style, you know, umfm.com pod, uh, and then just find our show on there. Um, or Apple, uh, Spotify, you name it. Just make sure you type talking hockey, the hockey talking show, look for our sweet logo, which is the old Winnipeg jets logo says talking hockey on it. And away you go. Um, we'll catch you next week here on UMFM one Oh one five. Uh, until then keep your stick on the ice. Oh, and we have to segue from talking Bill Juzda, AKA Bill Barocco's defense partner. Let's toss to a song here by the Tragically Hip. This is 50th Mission Cap by the Hip. Yeah.